0: Hello, my name is Jeff, and I have a gorilla. You probably do too. Now, while our gorilla, for most of us, doesn't literally follow us around, there is a gorilla that all of us probably battle against, and it is an enemy within. Maybe you're surprised to hear me say this morning that I have a gorilla, that I have an enemy within that I battle against. Because on the outside, we can make our lives look pretty good, can't we? While on the inside, the battle is raging. We can put on this outward facade of goodness, but inside we are battling against an enemy within. We have to be honest about the enemies that we battle within. Paul, who was a, the Apostle Paul, who was a leader in the early church, wrote in uh, one of the books in the New Testament about the enemy that he battles within. And maybe you can identify with the feelings that he reflects here in what he says. He says, I do not understand the things I do. I do not do what I want to do, and I do the things I hate. Now, realizing that, he arrived at this conclusion a couple of sentences later. So I have learned this rule. Whenever I want to do good, evil is there with me. There is an enemy within that we battle. Or maybe it's enemies. And so for the next few weeks, I want to explore some of these enemies that we often battle within. These two different faces of the same person. This outward facade that we sometimes wear while inside we battle. The five enemies that I want to look at are pride, laziness, bitterness, anger, and gluttony. Now, let me assure you of this. We are not going to spend the next five weeks with you putting your hands out so I can smack them with a ruler and make you feel really bad about what a terrible person you are. I want us just to have an honest conversation for the next few weeks about these enemies that we battle. You know, God, when, he comes, when it comes to dealing with our sin in our lives, and that's what these enemies are, they are sin issues. When it comes to dealing with sin, God doesn't bring up our sin so that He can punish us and make us feel really bad about ourselves. In fact, God brings up our sins so that He can set us free from them. These enemies that we're going to talk about, they don't add anything to our lives. In fact, getting rid of them is like getting a gorilla off of your back. So let's jump in today with enemy number one. Maybe this is the gorilla that follows you around, the enemy of pride. I I heard about a a guy who um, went hunting and loved to hunt all the time, and so he wanted to impress his hunting buddies. So he spent a lot of money and went out and bought the, the best and smartest hunting dog he could possibly find. He spent weeks and weeks training this dog to do all kinds of really special things, He was so proud of what he had accomplished with this animal, he couldn't wait till the first day out hunting. Well, finally it came, and they're hunting for duck, and they're out in the boats, sitting there waiting, waiting, and he cannot wait to show off his dog. He's going to be so proud of what he does. Finally, some ducks fly over, the guns go off, the ducks drop, and he commands his dog, and the dog takes off running across the top of the water. He is so proud of his dog. The dog grabs the first duck, runs back on top of the water to the boat, drops it off, and heads off for the next one. And he says to his buddies, Hey, do you notice anything special about my dog? One of them goes, You know, now that you mention it, that silly dog can't swim, can it? Sorry. Pride is a dangerous enemy. Pride could be defined as an inordinate amount of self-esteem. Pride is arrogant self-worship. Pride is the sin of having self-interest that is so great, you can't see beyond yourself to serve anyone else. Pride is a very dangerous enemy. Do you know how God feels about our pride? I mean, we've all seen pride in action, haven't we? We know what it looks like. And do you know what God has to say about it? God says, I hate it. In fact, these are His very own words in Proverbs chapter 8. He says, I hate pride and arrogance. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? He doesn't leave any doubt about how He feels. He hates it. Now, why does He feel so strongly? Well, what's the big deal about our pride? Why? why so dangerous? Let me point out two or three things. First, I think God hates our pride so much because pride promotes self-sufficiency over God's sufficiency Pride is all about what I'm able to accomplish on my own without God. Humility is what can I accomplish, what can God accomplish in me. There's a big difference and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. The second reason that I think God hates our pride is that pride is the root of most of our sin. I mean, if you get right down to it, if you look at most of the sin that we struggle with in our lives, pride is at the root of it. Someone who tells a lie usually is telling a lie because they have too much pride to admit that they've done something wrong or they have failed in some way, and so they lie to cover it. Someone who cheats. When you get right down to it, they are cheating because their pride is too big for them to admit that they might fail unless they cheat. And if you think about it this morning, just start through a mental checklist of all the sins that you can think of. And if you think long enough about each of them, it's true, isn't it? You get right down to the root of almost all of them and pride is at the base of it. Another reason that I think God hates our pride is because it can be so destructive. Pride is a ticking time bomb. In fact, listen to what Proverbs says. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And I love the way the Message Bible translates this when it says, first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And if we're really honest with each other this morning and we think about it, it's true, isn't it? Pride often leads to a big fall. I was thinking about Alex Rodriguez this week, a baseball player for the Yankees that admitted that he has used performance enhancement drugs, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be for him. And believe me, I do not know him, of course. I, you know, I've never met him, so I can't make a judgment about his life. But it makes me wonder, is pride at the root of why he was felt that he needed to compromise and use those drugs? I think about Barry Bonds, who's done the same thing and has admitted to it, or now hasn't admitted to it, but seems to be a pretty good case that he has. And I have to think, is it pride that has caused him to do that? And what's happened to his career? It's gone right down the tube, hasn't it? Pride goes before a fall. And it's not just in athletics. In any area of our lives, pride often leads to destruction. So the question is, how do we deal with it? And I want to look at a story that Jesus tells that he addresses very specifically this issue of pride and the dangers for our lives. It's found in Luke chapter eight, chapter 18, I should say. I hope you brought your Bibles. Encourage you to do that, and encourage you to get it out right now and open up to Luke. It's in the New Testament part of your Bible: uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Uh, it's one of the Gospels that tells the story of Jesus' life. If you don't have a Bible, as you leave today, uh, feel free to pick one up on the table out there, take it home, make it your own, and when you come back as a cross point bring it with you so that you can follow along as we study together. So Luke 18 verse 9 Jesus is telling this story and he addresses it very clearly who he's talking to. Verse 9 says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable or this story. He's talking about those who are filled with pride, those who think way too highly of themselves, those who have an abundance of self-esteem. To them, he tells the story. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, if you've been going to church very long at all, you hear Pharisee and immediately some things come to your mind. You begin to classify this person. And when you hear tax collector, you begin to classify them because oftentimes when we talk about these two types of people in the Bible, we look at the Pharisee and because they were always in conflict with Jesus, we think, well, they weren't a very good person. And we hear tax collector and because Jesus hung out with them, because they were sinners and Jesus loved them, we think, well, they're not so bad. Which is true. However, I want you now to kind of flip in your mind and understand in the culture where Jesus was telling this story, that's not the way these guys were perceived. To the people of this day, when Jesus told the story, when He said, Pharisee, They thought religious leader. They thought very holy person. They thought someone who keeps all of the commandments, someone that we look up to, someone that has prestige, someone who deserves honor in a sense. And when they heard tax collector, they heard a guy who had bought the rights from the government to tax a certain region of the country. He owed the government certain parts of the money, but if he could collect more from the people, it went right in his pocket. And so he was known for being an extortionist. And nobody liked him. These two guys come to the temple to pray. And listen to what happens in verse 11. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank You that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. God, listen to all of the things that I've accomplished. Listen to how good I am because of what I've done. Then verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. I kind of get the image that he's kind of off in the corner. As far maybe from people as he can get in the moment. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast, a sign of humility in their culture, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then listen to Jesus' response. Who do you think he praises? The the Pharisee, the religious leader, the one that everybody looked up to, or the tax collector? Jesus said, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus says the Pharisee, the one who stands with such pride, is ultimately going to be humbled. And the one that he praises is the tax collector who stands in the corner and admits his need for God. And Jesus says, he'll be exalted. Pride is a dangerous enemy. So let me begin this morning by identifying a few of the kinds of pride that I think we often struggle with in our lives. It's not a complete list by any means, but let me, let me just rattle off a few of these. Number one, we struggle with I'm better than you pride. I'm better than you pride. Not to, not last night, but the previous Saturday, uh, the boys and I, my sons, um, Went to a uh, basketball game over in Fort Myers, a high school game between uh, Fort Myers, Bishop Burroughs, great game, great environment. And um, But a few things happened through that night uh, that demonstrate my pride at times. This will surprise you, but there were several. Uh, we weren't really interested in who won. We just were there to watch a friend of the boys play basketball, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. So we had kind of a running commentary throughout the game of several things, and part of my running commentary was there were several times that I pointed out what idiots the officials were. And that they really ought to read the rule book, you know. I didn't scream at them, this was just with my boys. Towards the end of the game, there was an announcement made, because there was a large crowd there, they made this announcement that, you know, when the game's over, both administrations will hold responsible anybody who goes on the court. And I commented to the boys, that's kind of silly. Why don't they just let them have some fun? Whoever wins ought to get to celebrate a little bit. You know, then as we were leaving the parking lot, there were Fort Myers policemen directing traffic, but they were making all of the traffic go one direction. And I commented to the boys, you know, that's kind of stupid. You'd go a lot faster. If they'd let both lanes go in both directions, everybody would get out of here more quickly. And at that point, Matt said to me, Dad, you have a little bit of a problem with authority, don't you? (laughs) I think that's pride, Dad. Don't you really enjoy it, parents, when your children correct you? And they are stinking right. <laughs> he was right. And that's one of my gorillas that I battle with. I had this idea that I, I'm better than anybody. I'm better because I was smarter. That my way of doing things was a smarter way of doing things. But that was the gorilla of pride in my life. Do you ever struggle with that kind of pride in your life? Do you ever feel superior to others? Maybe it's the the garbage collector or the the checkout clerk at the grocery store that doesn't go as fast as you think they should. Or or maybe it's a senator or the governor and something that they do politically and you think, that's so stupid. Maybe it's the superintendent of schools or maybe it's your boss at work. Maybe it's your, your children's teacher. Maybe it's that teammate that you're trying to beat out so that you'll have more playing time than them. Maybe it's that girl in algebra. That whole I'm better than you thing is pride. And it is a dangerous enemy. The second kind of pride that I think we battle with is it doesn't apply, or I'm sorry, I don't need help pride. I don't need help pride. If you're one of those people who's afraid to ever ask for help, you might have this I can do it myself kind of pride. You know, I don't need any help with anything. Maybe you're really struggling in your marriage, but there's no way you're going to ask anybody to help you. That's your pride. Maybe your family is going through a really difficult time, but you refuse to ask somebody for help or to let anybody know that you're struggling. That is pride. Maybe as a parent, you're really struggling to know how to deal with some certain issues in your child's life, but you don't want to ask for anybody's help because that would admit that you struggle as a parent and your pride won't let you do that. You see, pride is deceptive. Pride deceives us and it causes us to want to deceive others. In fact, the Bible says the pride of your heart has deceived you. There's a third kind of pride that I think we battle with. It's the, I. it doesn't apply to me, pride. It doesn't apply to me. In the Old Testament of the Bible, there's the story of King David who ruled over the nation of Israel. David started his life as a young shepherd boy caring for some sheep, but rose from that very humble beginning to be one of the greatest rulers Israel has ever known. Ever. Incredible power and strength and wealth. David had accomplished it all. And one night in the spring, the Bible says, in the spring when kings normally went out with their soldiers to do battle with other nations, David decided he would stay home. He decided, I guess, because he now had risen to the top and accomplished everything, that that no longer applied to him. So he stayed home. And you know what happened one night while he was home when he should have been out in battle with his soldiers? He stood on the balcony of his house and he looked over and he saw a beautiful woman who was the the wife of someone else. And he invited her to the palace and they had an affair. And much of David's life fell apart temporarily. And you know why that happened? Because David thought to himself, that simply doesn't apply to me. It was pride. I've heard people... "This, This works for us sometimes. You know those people who take 15 items to the Express checkout lane that says 12 items or less. Yeah, you think that rule doesn't apply to you, doesn't it? I've been behind you. I've counted your items. More seriously, I've heard people say things like, you know, I know the Bible says that I shouldn't lust after a woman. And I've heard guys say that who say they are Christ followers, but they continually dabble in pornography and they say, well, it just helps me cope. It helps me get by. I know that stuff in the Bible, but it doesn't apply to me in this case. Or I've heard people, couples say, you know, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't live together before we are married, but we know that we love each other and we know that we're going to get married in, you know, not too long. And so we think it's okay. That's a pride that says God's law doesn't apply to me. Or I've heard people say, I, I know I should forgive them, but, you know, I, I know the Bible teaches forgiveness, but you don't understand what this person did to me. It's that attitude of, well, it doesn't really apply to me. And it is a dangerous form of pride that seeps into our lives. There's another type of pride that we deal with and that is the I-don't-need-God pride. That's really what happened to the Pharisee this day. When he went into the temple that day, he was proclaiming, God, I don't really need You to work in my life. I'm doing all the work myself. Listen, let me rattle off all of the religious things that I have accomplished. Do you notice in that verse that he uses the word I four times in just two sentences? He didn't go that day to pray to God. He went to God that day to say to God, God, look how good I am. I don't need you. You know what? He should have spent some time hanging out with Paul, who I mentioned in the beginning. Paul, a leader in the church. Paul, early in his life, had done a lot of really bad things. But he came to know Christ. He stepped across the line of faith and he began to serve Him with all of his heart. And he had the privilege of speaking across the known world at that time and helping establish churches that became vibrant, healthy, growing churches. Paul could have taken a lot of pride in what he had accomplished, but listen to what Paul says in 1st Timothy. He says, this is a true saying and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. Notice Paul doesn't say I was the worst of them all, back when I was doing all of these things. He says, even now, after all that I've accomplished, I am the worst of sinners. How was it that Paul could see past his own accomplishments to his own sin? It's because of what he writes a couple of sentences later when he says, glory and honor to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King. The unseen One who never dies. He alone is God. You see, Paul had the proper perspective on who God was. God, Paul lived with a perspective of God's power and His holiness. And when you and I will live with a proper perspective of who God is and what a holy God He is, and we will compare ourselves not to other people, but to God Himself, then we will be aware of our own sin. And our, that awareness of our sin will cause us to accept the forgiveness that God has offered to us through His grace. There are some of you in this room today that if we're really honest, you have this I-don't-need-God pride. And this I-don't-need-God pride has kept you from stepping across the line of faith, has kept you from saying, you know what? I need Jesus to be my Savior. I need Him to be the leader of my life. It has kept you from admitting that, you know what? I have sinned in the past. I may be sinned sin today and I need forgiveness and cleansing from that sin. I need God's grace. And it has kept you from bowing your head and inviting Jesus into your heart. It has kept you from being obedient in baptism. Being dunked in water. Immersed in water. That is a symbol of the washing away of our sins and the putting on of Jesus Christ in our lives. It is a public declaration that I need Jesus in my life. And your pride has kept you from taking that step. And I just want to say to you today, why don't you let this be the day that you set that pride aside and you accept God's gift of grace and you make Jesus your Savior and the leader of your life and be baptized into that relationship. In fact, today after our second service, we're offering the opportunity for people to step across that line of faith and to publicly declare that by being baptized. And it's not too late for you to participate in that. In fact, you're here for the ideal service because if you're thinking, you know what, I ought to do that, then even in this moment, you ought to bow your head and declare that to God and then go home and get the appropriate clothing and come back here and meet us right after second service right down here in the front of the auditorium. And join us as we go just a couple blocks away to a heated pool and celebrate in that public declaration of people's faith in Jesus Christ. It is a dangerous enemy. So let me point out some ways that we can eliminate this pride in our life. Four changes of heart very quickly that need to take place. First, we need to be honest about our pride. That's what the difference was between the Pharisee and the tax collector this day. One could admit their sin and their need for God. The other one couldn't. And if you want to get rid of pride in your life, it first takes the honesty to admit this is a gorilla in my life and I needed to deal with it. Secondly, I would say to you, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. I heard about a pastor that uh, was digging around in his wife's closet one day and he found a shoebox. I don't know why he was digging around in there. But he found a shoebox and he opened it up, took it out, opened it up and very curiously there were five eggs and a whole bunch of cash which he counted out was about $10,000 dollars. So he took it to his wife and said, Honey, what is all this? She said, Well, when we first got married, I decided that every Sunday, every time you preached a bad sermon, I would put an egg in this box. He counted them and thought, We've been married a long time. Only five bad sermons. That's pretty good. He said, But what's the $10,000? She said, Every time I got to a dozen, I sold the eggs. Don't take yourself so seriously. You know what the Pharisee, took himself far too seriously. He took his accomplishments far too seriously. And it led to pride in his life. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. It says, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you have accomplished something on your own? Everything that I have, everything that you have is from God. Your talents, your strengths, your finances, your education, the country that you live in, the home that you live in, everything that you have, you have only by the grace of God. So don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take what you have accomplished so seriously. Third, compare yourself upwards, not downwards. The Pharisee that day compared himself to other people here on earth while the tax collector compared himself to God. And we make a big mistake when we spend our time comparing ourselves to other people. Because you know what? I can probably always find somebody that I think I'm just a little bit better than or I've accomplished just a little bit more than they have. But that's not the comparison. The comparison is, how do I compare to the holiness of God? And I'll tell you this morning, I, for me, I've got a long way to go. I have nothing to be proud of. But I have a lot to be thankful for. Because God's grace is at work in my life. Number four, you need to follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. You know what? Jesus never modeled pride, did He? And if anybody had something to be prideful about, wouldn't it be Jesus? I mean, after all, He was God in the flesh walking around here on earth. He was involved in the creation of all of the earth. He was a guy who had made lame men walk and blind men see. He had brought people back from the dead. He had plenty that He had accomplished. And yet, Jesus never modeled pride. Jesus always modeled humility and serving others. You see, in God's economy of life, the path to joy and fulfillment is a path of humility and serving others. I'm telling you, this enemy of pride can be very dangerous in our lives. We need to make sure we don't let it control us. That we get this gorilla off of our back. Remember, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Let's pray together. God, thank You for Your grace in our lives. And God, I will admit to You today that this is a gorilla that I battle with. And I pray, God, that You'd help me to get this gorilla off of my back. And God, You would help me to remove this enemy from within my life. And God, I pray that in my life, as I pray that You do in every person in this room's life, God, that You would get into our hearts and You would expose the deepest places of our hearts today where this enemy is lurking around. And God, You would help us to have the courage to deal honestly with it and to get this enemy out of our lives and to live in humility and in serving others. Thank You, God, for what I know You'll do in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.